Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. In the end, that's what's going to matter. We got a little bit of time, as the book of James describes us, it's a mist. And whenever that mist goes, we go. And if our hope's in Jesus, we're good. If we've really surrendered ourselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we're okay. Because Hebrews says this, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And when that judgment comes upon us, if our faith is in Jesus, then guess what? God looks at you and he looks at me and he doesn't see Phil and all of his shortcomings. He sees Jesus and all of his glory. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. The Christmas story is one of the most well-known stories of the Bible. Even people outside of the Christian faith tend to have a general understanding of the Christmas story. But there are some lesser-known characters in the story that you may not be as familiar with. In this series, entitled Grumpy Old Men, we'll be examining several characters from the Christmas story who had to deal with rather unfortunate and challenging circumstances. As we'll see, these circumstances created a bit of grumpiness in their spirit. It is our hope that this series will provide greater insight into one of the most popular stories in the Bible. Please enjoy the message. Tube. I completely understand. I can't move in your tube, but you don't have to talk to me like this. I mean, if I didn't have to have that done, I would have just left. But when I walked out of there, you could just feel it. Like his staff was scared of him. I looked at this guy and I thought, are you serious? You look like Newman from Seinfeld. Why are you talking to me like this? I, which I get, I get it. You're the boss. You know what's going on, but you don't have to treat people like dirt. That's the little king. That's whenever you, that's, that's the little king in people where they got this kingdom and Herod has come in contact with people who are looking for another king besides him. And let me tell you something, when he is disturbed, everyone is disturbed. When, when Kim Jong-un in, in North Korea is disturbed, that whole country is disturbed. They're all scared. In Jerusalem, when King Herod was disturbed, everyone was disturbed. And here's the lesson for each and every one of us who deal with that little king syndrome in our lives, is little kings are always disturbed by Jesus. Now, I'll give you a little context of King Herod. He was a man who was very ambitious. He wanted to leave an incredible footprint on Jerusalem. He was a man who uh, built. He was also a man who was somewhat generous. He helped people at different occasions. But the moment someone threatened him, the moment there was a tense of which his authority was going to be challenged, he immediately became paranoid. Caesar Augustus said this of King Herod, it was better to be his swine than to be his son. Because he was Jewish, he wasn't going to kill a pig. He wouldn't eat the pork, but his son could be a potential threat to his kingdom. So it was better to be the swine than to be his son. William Barclay, a biblical historian, said it this way. Herod was almost insanely suspicious. Was all, almost insanely suspicious. He was so paranoid and so protective of his position that after he took the throne, he put to death the entire Jewish Sanhedrin. Seventy of the most influential religious leaders in Jerusalem. Because anybody who was influential could challenge his influence. During the course of his bloody reign, he killed two of his oldest sons, one of his wives, and all of her close relatives. He, had, he was a man who was very disturbed. 
And he was incredibly disturbed when Jesus showed up too because little kings get disturbed by Jesus because he is again the king of kings. Now what does that look like for us? Well, well for us, maybe your kingdom is defined by pleasure. And in your kingdom, it's about you being able to drink what you want to drink, to take a particular drug that you want to take, and you don't want to have any challenges with that. It was maybe something sexual in nature. And your, your pleasure, your kingdom is defined by you satisfying your pleasure, but Jesus came into your kingdom and to my kingdom, and he said, deny yourself that. Deny it. Take up your cross and follow me. Maybe for you, your kingdom is defined by accumulation of wealth and there's nothing wrong with gaining money and accumulating money. But again, maybe your focus is just continuing to build a treasure here on earth and Jesus enters into that kingdom and he disturbs it. And he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure here on earth, lay it up in heaven. And maybe for you, it's just that you're overly ambitious and, and your idea, is, your, your, your goal is to attain titles and to continually climb some ladder. I get it. I, I, I deal with that. Maybe, maybe something that you struggle with is wanting to just continually accomplish something new, to start something new. And then Jesus comes into that and he says, there's nothing wrong with the titles. There's nothing wrong with wanting more. But just remember, it's not about you because the greatest among you won't be those with the title or with greater accolades. It's instead those who will be servant of all. Jesus goes to those that are arrogant, those that are cocky, those with the big egos. And, he's, and he says, unless you humble yourself and become like a little child, you can't enter this kingdom of heaven. And maybe it's even for the relativists who look at all of the world's truth and they say it's all the same. In my kingdom, everybody gets in. But Jesus enters into that idea, that notion, and he disturbs it. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here's the, here's the question I got for you. Is will you ignore Jesus' disruption or explore Jesus' disruption? And that is something that Herod had to ignore. Because to embrace it, to accept it, would be to compromise the standing that he had in his little bitty kingdom. So will you ignore the disruption that Jesus is bringing into your, into your kingdom right now with some of those scriptures I just read, or will you explore it? Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program.
text goes on. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, because he was super confused about this idea that another kingdom king would come into his kingdom, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time and the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. King Herod had one agenda. And his agenda was that his kingdom would reign. And that he would reign in that kingdom. And he would have absolute control and absolute power. He had no intention of going and worshiping Jesus but he needed information about Jesus in order to secure, to advance his agenda. Here's the point with little kings, is little kings will use Jesus to serve their purposes. And, and this plays out in a variety of different ways, but what, it, what happens for us is, we gotta ask this question is, are you serving Jesus or is Jesus serving you? Does Jesus serve you or do you serve Jesus? And again, this plays out in a variety of different ways. Jesus serves you when? Let me, let me spell it out for you. When you use him to make business contacts. When you use him to find a date. When, when I was a part of a college ministry many, many years ago, it was always interesting whenever the newer people would come in because you just wondered, I always wondered, I'm like, okay, is this a real Christian or are they just trying to find a girlfriend? Uh, what's going on here? Or, or maybe, are they, maybe they have a faith in Jesus, but they're definitely the little king of their life. And you would just, I would just see a play out. Oh, yeah, I'm worshiping. I love Jesus. And then they would just try to get somebody to date, try to connect with somebody. If it didn't happen, then they would just drift away. You, or they would find somebody, and then later on, a few months later, you would hear this, about this dysfunctional relationship that created all these problems. And you realize they were just putting on a front about Jesus to get a date. You, Jesus serves you when you use him to parade your talents. And that, that's something that we have to sort out in, in churches, that sometimes people want to speak, they want to sing, they want to play an instrument, they want to be up on the stage, they want to be in the lights, they want to be on the internet, but it's really more about them. And, there's, and you, we figure it out, you, you sort it out pretty quickly, um, but that's a thing. Jesus serves you when you use him to elevate your, your stature. Um, and I've, I've seen this in, in churches where people will be at a church and, and they won't have a lot of influence or power. And then they'll go to another church where they can gain that power and that influence through different means. And it's, it's just a thing of theirs that they want to use Jesus to get, get up. Or maybe you, if you put on a front of being a Christian or being very vocal in your faith, maybe that is something that a boss of yours might like and they might promote you. They might give you that raise. They might give you a little bit more responsibility. They might give you that special project because they know about your faith, but is it really your faith? That's when we gotta step back and say, is Jesus serving you or are you serving Jesus? Does Jesus, you, Jesus serves you when you use him to sell a product? Um, some time ago, I was, at a, I, I was leading a church, and I had a gentleman. He, he attended our church. He'd probably been there two Sundays. And he came to me, and he said, I wrote these books. And he, and he said, I'd like you to have them. Check them out, and maybe your children's ministry could use them. Well, in a, in a situation like that, well, of 
Sure, sure, let me see them. And, and uh, we, we felt very good about our children's ministry curriculum, but he gave me these two books of his. And, and, and honestly, they, it was a nice idea, but it wasn't very well done. It was a nice idea, though. So I took his books, I flipped through them a little bit. It wasn't something that we were going to use. So I didn't think anything was going to come of that. I felt like he was just giving us a sample product. You know. So then two weeks later, he comes to me and he says, hey, um, so are you going to pay me for those books? Okay, well, <laughs> you know, they're good at teeth. Okay, well, how much are the books? Um, he said, well, like $25. All right, fine, we'll give you 25 bucks. $25, here's your 25 bucks. I'll keep your books. Maybe down the road we can do something with them. Well, and then a week later, he comes back to me and he says, and I, so we arranged, made an arrangement, paid him his $25. He comes back to me and says, so what do you think? You guys going to use that for your children's ministry? The, our, my curriculum, you want to buy some more books? And I just said, you know, politely, I said, no, I appreciate you making that offer to us. I'm very sorry. We really have a curriculum that we're happy with, we're content with. Um, we're just going to keep moving forward with that. But, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for the offer. And I could tell immediately that he took that personal. I could tell immediately he was not happy with that answer. And my guess is he had received that answer quite a few times in the past. And so it wasn't too surprising when that was the last time I saw that guy. Because the only reason he was there was to sell a product. The only reason he was around was because Jesus was serving him. He wasn't serving Jesus. King Herod had one agenda with his kingdom, and that was to continue to reign in his kingdom. He wanted to keep the power of his kingdom. He wanted to expand it and make more of a name for himself. And so whenever he, he says to these magi, these wise men, I'm going to worship him, he is using that type of affront to further his agenda. Now here's what happens though. The wise men eventually find Jesus, they worship Jesus, they give him these really strange and odd gifts that you know, only men could give a baby, frankincense and myrrh. What are you going to do with frankincense and myrrh? I don't know, women, you, I know, I got you. You're showing up with casserole and baby uh, diapers and changing wipes. And all. I mean, you know, what the, you know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. We're showing up with myrrh. What the heck are you going to do with myrrh? So they show up with myrrh. And, and, and then after that, I guess that was their, their offering was pleasing to the Lord because then he, he revealed to them in a dream that they needed to go a different way. And then Herod finds out about this. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And so that's why we think that Jesus, he had probably been in Bethlehem a year, probably not up to two years, but somewhere around a year, and, and, and Herod tacks on two just to be safe. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And this is a sad one, because there's kids in the street playing, there's kids in their home sleeping, and soldiers show up, and they're casting spears at those kids. They're breaking down the door, and they're taking the lives of those sons, so that a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are, they're no more. And here's the thing about Herod. He didn't have to go here. He didn't have to go there. But when you're a little king, catch this, you want revenge when you're slighted. You're always gonna go a little bit further than you need to go. 
Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. I had a friend of mine in high school who always did this. And, and you know how it is whenever you're a teenager. Somebody goes to the bathroom. Like, you should never order a drink and go to the bathroom whenever you're with friends. Like, it's just not going to work out well for you. So, he, you know, inevitably you end up with, like, ketchup in your Coke or you got salt in, in your drink, something like that. So, you met, we would do that stuff. And we did. I remember doing that to him one time. Well, you know, you should laugh it off. Maybe you get back with us later on down the road. Well, this, this joker, we do that to him. He grabs his knife and fork and he starts jabbing us under the table. And he like legitimately hurts, like almost cuts somebody. And we're just like, what's wrong with you? And it's kind of funny, you know, when you're 16. But if you don't ever learn to reconcile and you always focus on retaliation, Guess what? When you're 26, 27, 28, nobody's going to want to be your friend. And that's the truth. By the time we were 30, none of us wanted to be his friend. When you feel slighted, little kings, the question is, do you want to retaliate or to reconcile? Now, I want to say this about reconciliation as a caveat, because I've dealt with this recently, and even as a church, and even beyond this church, is in Scripture, reconciliation looks a bit differently. When somebody slights you, there ought to be a conversation to try to sort that out as best you possibly can. But we also have to understand that there are moments whenever you do sort it out and you get to be friends again and, or you get to love each other as family members and spend Christmas together and everybody, everything is great and if you go to the camp out, you're definitely singing Kumbaya. Everybody is right there together. And then there's times where you aren't able to quite do that. And it's sort of that layer out where you're saying, you know what, we'll be able to be around each other. We'll be able to be cordial to one another. But, you know, we're just, it, just going to have to be more professional, not overly personal. And then there's just times where you just don't operate at all like you used to. Sure, we're fine. We're okay. We're reconciled. But I'm not, gonna, but I'm not angry at you. I don't hate you. But we can't be around each other. And Christians struggle with that. But that's the reality is sometimes that happens. And that's happened in my family where things were said and comments were made and it's just, okay, well, if you want to go there, then we just can't be around each other. 
we're not, I'm not going to live a life like this, and we're not going to have that around my kids, and, and this is creating issues in my marriage, so we're just, we're just not going to be here. And guess what? In Acts, the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas did the exact same thing. There came a point at which Paul looked at Barnabas, and Barnabas looked at Paul, and they weren't on the same page, and they said, hey, we love each other, and you know that down the road that that's how they functioned, because you see their references in later scriptures, but they looked at each other, and they just said, all right, we're going to go our different ways, and you can serve God over here, and I'll serve God over here, and we're just going to operate differently because we are not on the same page. But here's the deal. They didn't try to retaliate at each other. They reconciled in the best way that they possibly could. And here's the deal when it comes to the little kings in each and every one of us, is there's a part of us that wants to retaliate. And when you still want to retaliate, you just got to stay away and give it some space until you get to a place where you can attempt to hopefully reconcile. But here's the biblical objective for all of us. Do not be overcome by evil in this Christmas season, but overcome evil with good. And that was something that King Herod never fully got. And so after Herod died, many, many years later, and what had happened is is Mary and Joseph and Jesus had to flee off to Egypt, again, to fulfill prophecy. As they fled off to Egypt, they stayed there for a few years, and they eventually got word that King Herod had died, and it was finally safe for them to return. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. And what I want you to see here is this, when it comes to your own little kingdom and my own little kingdom and others' little kingdoms, is that inevitably we die. And a little king's only hope is always, always, always going to be Jesus. In the end, that's what's going to matter. We got a little bit of time, as the book of James describes us. It's a mist, and whenever that mist goes, we go. And if our hope's in Jesus, we're good. If we've really surrendered ourselves to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we're okay. Because Hebrews says this, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And when that judgment comes upon us, if our faith is in Jesus, then guess what? God looks at you and he looks at me and he doesn't see Phil and all of his shortcomings. He sees Jesus and all of his glory. And as he sees Jesus and all of his glory, then we can have this promise from 1 Peter that says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. I don't want a hope that's dead. My hope, I can't have a hope in, in, in Gandhi or, or in Buddha or in uh, some, or Muhammad. They, they're dead and they offer a dead hope. I've got a hope that's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's for you, and it's for me. And every year, or sorry, every week, we take a few moments at a time of communion in which we get to remember that. We get to reflect on that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And as you sort out yourself, your little kingdom that you're reigning in, as you sort out a kingdom that that you're trying to figure out how Jesus is disrupting, what I want to present to you is this. 
is that you can't ignore it, explore it. And allow him, allow him to do what only it is that he can do. And we have a hope that even though he died, he is now alive. And that's a hope that'll never disappoint. And so submit ourselves, submit yourself to the one true king. Let's pray and we're gonna go into this time of communion and then we'll continue in worship. Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this morning. Lord, however you are disrupting us, may we be open to that. May we be aware of that. May we be conscious of that. God, may it be something that we don't ignore, but we truly do explore. And we set aside the little king in all of us, Father. We're grateful for the hope that we have in Christ. And as we come into this time of communion, may we reflect on that sacrifice and the love that you've shown us in him. And may all these children, Lord, who have served today, who have worshiped today, may they also, Father, come to know and love you deeply and to continue to advance your kingdom all throughout this world. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.